Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everybody? Bob Wankel here, Anthony Sanfilippo. Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. And I suspect some of our readers, based on DMs that I received, some Twitter messages that you and I were both on, were probably wondering, are these guys seriously going to stop doing this podcast when the Phillies are making a surge towards the postseason? And the answer is no, we are not stopping. We are here. Some scheduling issues uh, over the past two weeks or so have prevented you and I getting together to do this show, but fear not, we will be here down the stretch drive in September. And going into what increasingly looks like will be a playoff appearance for the Philadelphia Phillies. Anthony, what's up? How are you? And how are you feeling on this fine Friday after a four-game sweep of those pathetic, pathetic Cincinnati Reds? Phillies are 15 games over 500, Bob. They have the seventh best record in Major League Baseball. And I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, well, they just keep beating the bad teams. Well, don't the six teams in front of them keep beating bad teams, too? I mean, it's, you don't have the seventh best record in the game out of 30 teams and, and be just a, a fluke. Phillies are a legitimate team. They did this all without Bryce Harper. Now you're bringing Bryce Harper back into the mix. This is going to be a really exciting last week of August and, and a heck of a September and uh, I think it's going to go a little bit into October as well, and, and it's just going to be a, a, a fun thing to sit here and have important baseball in Philadelphia again for the first time in a decade. Yeah, I mean, so listen, eight games under back on May 31st, 15 games over as we talk today, a 23-game surge over 500. Really, most of which, I believe one game was Joe Girardi, but most of which has come since the managerial change. Certainly, you can point to that as a spark for this team. And I don't think that anybody would deny that at this point. I want to actually start with something that is sort of not baseball-related and touches on what you sort of just alluded to, that September is going to be fun. This team has done a great job in the absence of Bryce Harper. I believe it was Joe Giglio last night pointed out on Twitter after the game Phillies are 11 games over 500 since Bryce Harper went down. We talked about the need to tread water in his absence. They've done far more than that. They've positioned themselves extremely well going into the final 35 games or so uh, before the postseason. And I wrote something the other night after, I guess it was Tuesday night's game. And I just want to get your reaction to this. I said, I know the Phillies haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. Scars and skepticism build. They're also playing at a 90-win pace, which is currently now a 91-win pace, and hold the second wildcard spot. They've won 47 of their last 73 games, which is now 49 of 75. They have a ton of crazy wins and surge into their current position despite a prolonged absence of their best player. I don't follow why a team has to make the postseason before saying, yeah, I'll go out and see them play. 
If you are the fan who isn't worried about the financial considerations of going to the stadium, just holding out because they need to prove something to you, or they make one too many infield errors for your taste, I don't follow that. It's kind of weird. I think it's kind of weird that right now the Phillies are drawing anywhere between 20 and 24,000 a game. I know it's the Reds. I know that Bryce Harper hasn't been out there. But Jesus, man, like last time I checked, going back to 1883, the Phillies have made the playoffs like 15 times and they've won 90 games 13 times. They're on track to do it this season. It's expensive, but go to the stadium if you if like if you're one of these people that's like oh, I need to see a little bit more. I don't trust them because of last year. Like, give me a break. Go out and see them. If you don't have the money to do it, fine. No, no issue there. Doesn't make you a bad fan if you don't want to go down and spend twenty bucks on parking and add up the list with the family. I get all that. But if you're one of these people that's like you don't get my money until you make the playoffs. Like, come on, dude. Go watch this team. They're worth. Yeah, it I, I, it's an interesting thing too, Bob, because. Their TV ratings are up, right? I mean, their television ratings are pretty good. Pretty darn good right now. And it makes you wonder, are people just staying away because of the cost? Or are these people who who you're ripping right now, and deservedly so... I'm not ripping, I'm just saying... No, but you are. No, but you are. You're right. You're right, because they, I, I think they're phony. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, this is where I'm, where I'm getting the point I'm getting to. The, I, I think that these people like to bitch just to bitch. I agree. Because they're watching the games. Yeah. They're watching it on television. They're going to sit there and say, well, I'm not going down there because I don't trust them. I'm not bought in, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? They're sitting in front of their televisions every night watching it. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm, and that's and, where and you're right. there's a clear difference. Like, because I know that, I think Russ the other day chimed in as he does uh, often yeah uninformedly so and just you know he throws out his opinion now nah, i'm just messing uh but you know people were pushing back they're like well the economy stinks the prices are obscene I, i'm not gonna i can't afford it and if that really is the reality i think some people use that as an excuse to be perfectly honest with you but uh -huh. if that is your reality then certainly you are not included in this conversation i mean i get it you know it's it's not cheap to go down there but I think a lot of people, and maybe it's Twitter that does this to me, but I see so many people that, that are saying exactly what we're talking about. Like, I'm not bought in. You know, beat somebody that's good. Did you see what they do, did against the Mets? And and it's like, they're like Randy Quaid. They're like Randy Quaid that's from Major I, League sitting out in the bleachers. Except I call my I call my even, sons that. They're not even Randy out Quaid. in the bleachers. You know what I mean? Like, so that's where, that's where I kind of, I kind of go like, what are you people doing? Like, enjoy something. You know, enjoy something. Yep. If you can't I, enjoy I, what this team's done over the last two plus months, three months now, basically, then what are you even? What are you watching for? What's even the point? Yeah. No, you're right, Bob. You're right. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, and and it actually turns out, thirty-two and twenty, they went without Bryce. Thirty-two and twenty. I'm looking at it now, right? And I think if we go back to uh, the episode we did after he got hurt. And we said, if they can just play 500, right. they'll be okay when he comes back. Okay? So if they were, just, just for, for fun, if they were 500 right now, okay? If they, if they played 500 ball without Bryce Harper, they would not be in a playoff spot right now. And they would be two games out of a wild card. Would, if, if I would have told you on June the 25th when he broke his thumb that... 
The Phillies, last week of August, Bryce will come back, and they're within two games of a wild card spot. Would you be happy? Yeah, I mean, that felt like, especially at the time, a little bit more Phillies. You know, like, oh, they did just enough. They're not really good, but they're hanging in there. Like, I mean, they've done more than that. And, you know, that's 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 the point. That's what I'm trying. That's the point. I think you're trying to make, and I'm supporting with you here. It's that it's not that they just did it and just hung in there, hung in. They've built a. Not only did they, they did this without their best player, without the MVP of the league, they not only vaulted into a playoff spot, but into the second wild card. Have a four game lead now on Milwaukee, and they have the tiebreaker on them, so it's technically five. Like right. They're well in control of this now. They would have to have an utter collapse in September Which to not had, be playing in the playoffs. They could collapse. They they have not had the most stellar of Septembers in recent years. But I think if you truly watch, and, and this I feel like is going to come back and burn me, but if you really have watched this team closely for the last few years, all the signs point to this team being different you know i think that we've seen bad losses that in the past have been compounded by letdowns against inferior opponents what did they do after maybe one of their worst losses of the season on sunday they said okay no big deal we have an opportunity this week and they didn't just win three out of four they swept you know and i mean i think that that, that's the difference with this team like yes they are still prone to the occasional meltdown Yes, there are defensive issues. Certainly, we've seen the offense here struggle in, in recent weeks at times. But they've always been good enough and have had enough resolve to sort of steady and not let things snowball against them. And I think that that's one of the biggest, biggest things that we see here. And I think we see a much deeper team than we have in years past. It's been so top-heavy. But now they're getting these contributions from guys that... Maybe you expect it to some extent, but then you don't expect it to some extent. And that's why they've been able to not only survive without Bryce Harper, but they have thrived without him. Yeah, and, and that was the question I asked. I mean, I knew everybody was going to ask Rob Thompson about Nola last night, right? So let, let the regular guys, you know, uh, the guys who get all the information, you know, let them ask about the, the, the common questions. Um, and I, and I, I, said to, I said to him, I said, yeah, Schwarber hits the home run last night. But the game, the offense, comes from the bottom of the order. Yeah. I think five of the seven hits that the team had were Stubbs, Veerling, Zimmer, and Sosa. And they drove in four of the five, four of the, three of the four runs that Philly scored. You know, a little small if I, if, in there with, with the Stubbs bunt, you know I mean? Right. Small ball, there was a hit and run on the... The, the the signal that scored you know, Zimmer slides in the slides second. Slides in the second, pops up, scored, slides in the scores, Yeah, scores on. But he scores on a single, but that's because it was a hit and run. So, that, again, small ball with players who, at the beginning of the year, you never would have thought these guys would yeah. have been your, your big contributors, right? And they're winning a game for you. Yes, Aaron Nola was the player of the game, and we'll get into Nola in a bit. But you needed – Nola never gets run production, and the run production came from – Bench guys, and, and that's that's the key. That's the difference. This team is so deep that those those players are contributing this year. And I think that this is where, when I say like, why haven't people bought into this team the way that I I thought they might? 
again, I tweeted this out, and I know that we've talked numerous times on the show about playoff projections and odds and how they're kind of all just nonsense and more or less a talking point, but this is easy. Like, you have a stud player that goes down, you've had young players, homegrown players no less, step up and make huge contributions for this team. Nick Maton, Alec Bohm figuring it out, Bryson Stott becoming a really... Maybe we don't want to say good player yet because the stats for a season don't don't suggest it, but like a player that is certainly ascending who looks like he has, as I wrote the other night, it. You know, he looks yep. like the guy that in the big spot knows the right things to do. The moment doesn't get too big. It's easy to buy into this. You have Kyle Schwarber out there killing baseballs 450 feet. You know, there's a lot to like here. And you're talking about a team that, again, on May 31st, a 19.4% chance to make the postseason, according to fan graphs, and now, as we talk, are basically at 90%. And they did this for a two-month stretch without Bryce Harper, who, by the way, won the National League MVP last year. And this team is not the Braves. And I know that they've split, and I know that you, you and I make it to a point where you talk like, listen, they can take down Atlanta in the playoffs, and maybe they can, but certainly the Braves have been on another planet now for three months. And the Mets are having a magical season. And the Phillies aren't catching these teams. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that the Mets did blow this, you know, blow the doors off the Phillies this season. It was disappointing both two weekends ago in New York and at Citizens Bank Park. I get that. Like, they're not the Mets. They haven't beat the Mets. And so I can understand where that creates a little bit of skepticism. But, like, you have to also acknowledge that, yeah, they didn't have their best player in that series. And, like, they are on a 90-plus win pace. They're still and, and all honestly, In all honesty, they didn't have Schwarber either. Yeah, and I mean, like, you're not... I mean... You know, like, so I think that at this point, like, you can arrive to... And this is... It's kind of ironic what I'm about to say. Like, we haven't done this show in two weeks. But I haven't really changed my mind over the last two weeks on anything that we've seen. You know, I've said two weeks ago that the Phillies aren't as good as the Mets. They are a playoff team. They are worth watching. And that they are exciting like and and i don't you know I, I know where you're going like you know when you get into a playoff series anything can happen but like yeah i'm gonna tell you like i don't think the phillies are as good as the mets but that's okay like that's okay right now right now it's okay in 2023 i might not be as forgiving but like if you win if, if listen anthony if this team wins 90 plus games and makes a postseason I, I would be disappointed if they got rolled once they got there for sure but i i don't think you could look at this at the beginning of the season and say, hey, they, they win 91 games and they get bounced in the first round. The season's a failure. I don't think that at all. No, not, no I think you're I think you're right. The, the thing the reason you're you might, you know, catch me smirking on if you're watching on, on YouTube or maybe the reason you just said what you said is I, I, I just don't I ultimately don't believe in the Mets ultimately. Don't believe in the Mets. Yeah, they're going to finish ahead of the Phillies. Um, they're going to finish with a better record than the Phillies. And they have two of the best pitchers in the game in DeGrom and Scherzer. So that automatically makes them dangerous. Um, I, I just, I, don't, I, I hate their lineup. I really hate their lineup. I don't think they hit. And I think that you're starting to see the cracks come back. The Braves are two games out. The Braves are going to, be, the Braves are going to pass them. I, I've been saying it all year. Yeah. The Braves are going to pass them. The Phillies are going to have to beat the Mets in the first round. It's going to be a three-game series between the Phillies and the Mets, and it's probably going to be in the, it's well, I shouldn't say probably. It's, going it's to very be. likely going to be in New York. Um, and, and the Phillies are going to have to find a way 
to win that series, and I think they can. I think they can. As bad as they played against that team this year, I still think with a full roster that they can beat the Mets in a three-game series. So we'll talk a little bit about Zach Wheeler. I want to put that on ice for a moment because that's a big if, right? That's a big asterisk. If you don't have Zach Wheeler at full strength or at all in a playoff series, that's probably going to change things a little bit. Yes, I think as it pertains to the Mets, there are two things that kind of stand out. Like, I agree. I, I watch the Mets and I don't go, wow, what a great team. But we did see it over the two series. And I will begin by saying, and I think this is sort of a little bit of a loser mentality, but... Everyone talked about, like, wow, the Phillies are miles behind the Mets when you watch them play those those seven games over the last two weekends. And I don't know that that's entirely true. I mean, you know, you have Nola DeGrom and Saturday up in Queens, and one team scored a run, the other one didn't. I don't know that that showed that the Mets were miles ahead of the Phillies. And, you know, you look at this past weekend, you know, the Phillies get beat on Friday night with Nola. He wasn't great. Uh, Mets you know, took it to Wheeler. The Phillies didn't capitalize in a favorable pitching matchup in that first game of the doubleheader. But they recover. They win with Falter. And then the Sunday game, you know. should have won. Should have won the game. And so we should have been talking about a split. We should have been talking about three and four probably against the Mets over the two series without Harper. And, you know, can you really say, oh, the Mets are so far ahead of the Phillies that if the two were to play in a playoff series, there's no chance. I, I don't think you can do that. But what does concern me? There, there are two things that concern me when you talk about a three-game series in New York against the Mets. And one is that, and this is going to piss you off, and I'm saying this because I know it's one of the things you want to talk about, which Aaron Nola am I getting in, in a playoff series? Am I getting the one that I thought was unbelievably good in New York and I thought was totally underwhelming and extraordinarily frustrating against the first uh, in that first game against the Mets last week? Am I getting that, Aaron Nola? And then the other question I have is, can you hit Bassett? Like, can can you hit this fucking guy? Like, because he's not that good. And the Phillies have turned him into, you know, almost like 1C in that rotation. So, like, if you can't hit him in a potential game three, then you're not going to beat that team. An F-bomb out of nowhere, by the way. I didn't know I was going to use that. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um... Yeah, I, I think they can beat him. I do, Bob. I, and, you know, if, do you want to do Nolan now? If you want to do Nolan now, I'm ready I'm ready to go on, on Aaron Nolan. All right, so let's transition to Aaron Nolan, who beat a double-A Reds team last night. It was really good, and we are really excited about it today. No, I mean, listen, I'm just I'm baiting you. We've talked a lot about Aaron Nolan this season. I, I would tell you that he's been really good, one of the best pitchers in the National League. But I still have some doubt. You know, Bob, I – you sit there and say, yeah, he beat up on the double-A Reds. And he did. He pitched a great game against a very bad team. Okay? But I'm tired. I'm tired of the story, of the narrative that Aaron Nola does not pitch well against good teams. And he only pitches well against bad teams. So here's what I did for you today, Bob. Just for you. This year, Aaron Nola has 25 starts. 15 of them have come against winning teams. 15. Now, he does not have a winning record, okay? But that's more because the team doesn't hit for him. I agree. Because when you, when you listen to the numbers, to sit here and say Aaron Nola doesn't pitch well against winning teams is a fallacy. 97 in the third innings. His whip is 1.00. That's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good, okay? 
It's only allowed 82 hits, 15 walks, and 97 in the third innings. 118 strikeouts in 97 in the third innings. 3.61 ERA. I mean, it's you should be better than three and eight with those numbers. Okay? Against and I I dare you to find other than maybe again, and DeGrom's only pitched a handful of games. But how many, t- how many pitchers out there in baseball can put up those numbers against winning teams? And it's not just like a team that's barely over 500. He's, here are the teams that he's pitched against this year. The Mets, I think five times, to be honest with you. One, two, three, four, five, okay? Just a quick question. How many, how many of the games did, that he started did the Phillies win against the Mets? Oh, none. None. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's any. I, so, I mean, he's only – he's personally only won three games against winning teams. But he's only won nine – he's only won nine games all year. I mean, so even against the bad teams, they're not I – mean, yeah, yeah, a few more wins, but, you know, not even, not even that many. So, he's, he faced the Mets five times, uh, Milwaukee twice, the Dodgers twice, the Braves three times, Seattle, San Diego, St. Louis twice – no, once in, once against St. Louis. I mean, that's you're not playing you're not playing teams that are bare. These are all playoff teams, yeah. except for maybe Milwaukee. We'll see. But still, I mean, I mean, you know, to put those kind of numbers up against those teams, the guy pitches well. He does. He might not get the wins, and I think that that's what we get so caught up in. He did well. They didn't win. Nola pitched. They didn't win. But didn't beat a good team. But is that Nola or is that the team in front of him? It's, I I hear you. And listen, I I think that what I would say is he is one of the 10 best pitchers in the National League. Like, in my mind, like, I couldn't come up with a list of nine guys that I'd rather have than Aaron Nola. Um, Maybe the list is even shorter than that. Like, I didn't mentally perform this exercise, but I'm just saying I'm using the number nine here and him being in the top 10 just as as an easy break-even point. I just... When I start to think about what October may look like, I can in my mind against the Braves see the Phillies going down there. And I know that they haven't played particularly well in that stadium, but like I can see a scenario where they they emerge from that series with a win. And I can even and I know you've been talking about it and it, it has come to fruition that this Cardinals team it, you know is playing with some type of pixie dust, like you know, some magical dust here. And that's happening right now. But I can still see the Phillies going to St. Louis and coming away with a series win. I'm having a hard time visualizing what that looks like at City Field. Like, I just don't know how that happens. Like, and this is weird for me to say as a 36-year-old who grew up as a big Phillies fan who watched all of those Mets collapses, watched the Mets lose a World Series within the past 10 years that they, they were favored to win. They've always found a way to, to screw it up. But I just don't know what it looks like. I, you know what it looks like to me? Like when I visualize Mets-Phillies in a potential playoff series? I see DeGrom destroying the Phillies for eight innings. And that stupid trumpet song being played in the ninth. And Diaz tightrope walking his way to a save. And I see the Mets hitting three straight broken bat flares into into the opposite field to, to score the decisive run. And, like, that's what I see, and everybody comes away frustrated as hell. Like, I just can't reprogram my mind when I visualize that series 
to get over that because that's what we've seen pretty much every time the Phillies and Mets have played this season. You know, it's a pitcher's duel or like Wheeler has a disappointing start and the Mets have 11 hits. Seven of them have, you know, an exit velocity under 64 miles an hour and they just find a way to win. And like, you hate their lineup, but I almost find something to be artistic about it. Like, it's not that good of a lineup. I agree, but Jesus, they are good at just piecing together these these hits that make you want to rip your, your hair out. And in a way, that's almost more backbreaking than just seeing a guy launch a ball into the cap for a double. Yeah, you're right about that, Bob. But I think that there's something to, and, and Spencer Strider said it. I don't know if we had a conversation about this on our show, or I don't think maybe we talked about it at the, at the ballpark. But Spencer Strider said it, and he said, wait till, the, wait, wait till this team, this lineup has to face playoff pitching. In other words, there's another level that we're going to go when we attack you in the playoffs. Like, we may pitch a certain way against you in regular season. We're going to pitch a different way against you in the playoffs. And, 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 and you know, maybe, that the, you know, maybe he's just sour grapes because he got, they lost the game, and he, and he said that. But it's not normal for a guy to come out and say that the other that this, another team's lineup isn't good enough to to hit in the playoffs. Right. And <clears throat> I, I just don't think it is. I think he's right. I think that there are times, and I you know that Nola start. I was at that game at City Field when Nola Degrom. I was in there with 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 my so I took my sons up to the game, and it was a great atmosphere. I, I give a lot of credit to to Steve Cohen what he's brought to that organization and that atmosphere at City Field, it's a lot of fun to be up there, okay? Um, and I hate the horn thing, too, but they go absolutely ape shit for it. I mean, it. it's awesome. It's a thing that if you were a Mets fan, you would be, I mean, you, you'd be driving to work playing Timmy Trumpet, you know? Like, yeah. You'd be fired up right now. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, and, and I, I again, he's another guy who I think is, you're talking about pixie dust. I think he's pixie dusting his season together, Okay. Uh, if not, if not something else that's up, that's aiding that season. But um, uh, <laughs> are, you, are you suggesting something along the lines of the 2021 Reds who have had like four hitters? I think it was Fransky the other night noted this on air. Yeah. Like the, the first four Reds hitters of, of their 21 lineup have like had the four biggest decreases in exit velocity this season. Yeah. <laughs> 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 huh. yeah right. Um, but uh, so so yeah so like like I I I can see it happen I can see it happen. Let me throw some more Aaron Nola stuff at you because you're going to read about this on Crossing Broad. And now this is career stuff, okay? So this to, because I feel like this this narrative has gone on about Aaron Nola for a long time. So I want I, I wanted to look at I I wanted to dive into it right, and I said okay, well let me let me let me just take a look at his at his career and find how many other people. Do what he does. Is he is he average? Is he normal? Like where does he fall into play? So he's eight years in his career, right? He's pitched eleven hundred and ninety innings, and he's got a one point one two seven WHIP. Okay. So what I did is I went into I did a you know I did my stat head, um, which is by by far the greatest investment I've ever made um, on Baseball Reference, paying for stat head. It's it's awesome. Um, and I went into the history of baseball, and said how many pitchers. Have thrown at least 1175, 1175 innings in their first eight years and had a whip of 1.12 or lower. The answer is 51. Aaron Nola is one of 51, and he's on a list there with some like big time historical names and a lot of them. I mean, you know, Walter Johnson and uh, Degrom, Kershaw, Marischal, Seaver, 
Grover Cleveland, Alexander, Ferguson Jenkins, Pedro, uh, um, Christy Mathewson. Um, you know, you're, you're talking Roger Clemens, Don Sutton. I mean, these are big name players. Then I took it a step further. And I said, okay, let's look at that same statistical thing. 1,175 innings, first eight years with a whip that low. How many of them have averaged 10 strikeouts or more? The answer is five. Jacob DeGrom, Pedro Martinez, Chris Sale, Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola. Which is interesting because you don't typically think of Aaron Nola as a, a, well, certainly not a power pitcher, but not a guy that that is a traditional strikeout pitcher. Even though we've seen games where he, you know, he... he Yes, but that's that's my point. Like, in an era, and we are certainly in an era where it's all about the power pitcher. And not to say Nola doesn't throw hard, because he does throw hard. And, but it was fun to listen to um, Garrett Stubbs talk about him last night, talking about how many pitches that he actually has. And that he's a pitcher, man. He pitches. That's the difference between Nola and, and a lot of pitchers in the game today. He's not just up there throwing smoke. He's up there yeah. making pitchers, hitters guess. The old he's a pitcher, not a thrower, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and so I, I love that. I love the fact that you're sitting there and he's like, yo, look, the curveball is on. He says, but it's not just the curveball. You know, he's got, the, he's got two different fastballs. He's actually got two different curveballs. He's got the changeup. You know, like, you don't know what you're getting from him. And he called it a video game. He said, when he's on, like he was last night, it's like watching a video game. You don't know what you're, gonna, what you're hitting. Well, I hear those numbers. I agree with you. But get ready to hear a lot of this starting next week. I know, September. Uh- here we go. Before, Here we go. September, so September, August, September. right? Uh, yeah. Thirty-seven career starts. He has a seventeen and nine record. He has a two eight five ERA. Uh, the WHIP is under one. Uh, opponents OPS five seventy eight. Really good, right? Mm-hmm. September October thirty three career starts. He's nine and fourteen. He has a four six zero ERA. Uh, opponents OPS jumps up nearly two hundred points to seven fifty eight. He has, for, you know, fair or not, context or not, he has had and has delivered some some bad performances down the stretch, especially over the last two seasons, where, you know, if he would have pitched better, they may have had a different result in their season. I, th- I would say especially 2020. So, I would say this is the ultimate two things can be true and one thing should carry more weight than the other and that Aaron Nola has been an elite pitcher and he is one of the best pitchers in baseball but it's time now you know like you want to say it's fair or not like I don't know I don't know if it's fair or not but as we know in sports in 2020 and the way that we talk about sports and the way that we take in sports fair or not this is going to be the thing that people talk about. And so he needs to kind of like slay the dragon here this month. And I'm not saying he has to go out and, and throw five consecutive shutouts and have like Cliff Lee 2012 May and June type of run here. But like he does need to go out and throw the ball better in September. Like we can't be talking about, you know, Phillies went one and four in his starts in September and he had a four five ERA. Like that, that doesn't work here. So, you know, that's a storyline that I think he has to kind of vanquish. So- so he's going to, he's probably going to get, looks like he's going to get six starts in September. I'm not counting. He's going to start next week in Arizona, but it'll still be August, okay? So if you're looking at September, he's probably going to get, probably, 
assuming they don't rejigger the rotation. Uh, at San Francisco, Nationals at home, Atlanta twice, once here, once there, at Chicago, at Houston. Win four of those games. I think I, I think you win four of those. Easy. Maybe five. I, mean, I like really, how you I mean, play. I like how you play the NFL schedule game, like with I mean, baseball. Where are you losing to the Nationals with Aaron Nola? No, no. Okay, so let's let's chalk that one up. Okay, the Cubs have actually been pretty good in the second they, half. Just saying. they have, they have, they have. But but I think that the, I think when you get down to it, like that's that's the end of the season. Like the Cubs are like, all right, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. The Phillies are trying are pushing to make the playoffs. I think that's a gimme. Okay, I really do. I think they let's split the Atlantis. Split the Atlantis, right? So that puts them at three and one, one in San Francisco, one in Houston. Yeah. I think you get at least one of them. Yeah. And I if mean, that I'm and if you not I'm and if Houston and the other thing with Houston is if they've got number one seed locked up that last week of the season, they may have zero to play for. So I mean I mean there's a lot to this, right? I mean, so I, I just don't I don't see it. I don't see Aaron Nola collapsing this year. I just don't. So uh, I, I want to ask you, uh, as we kind of talk about all of this, I mean, we're more than a half hour into this show, and we've only briefly acknowledged one of the, the bigger stories here. We haven't actually really talked about either of the two most important stories with the Phillies right now. One is the return of Bryce Harper, which we'll, we'll get to after this. Yeah. So Zach Wheeler last night, we find out yeah. before the game, uh, forearm tightness, I guess, is the, the wording of it. And so he's going on the I.L., Dave Dombrowski meets with some reporters before the game last night. I know you were down there covering it on behalf of Crossing Broad last night, and you were not part of the select, the select secret society of reporters to uh, huddle with Dave Dombrowski before the mm-hmm. game. But uh, you know he, and I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. But <laughs> I'm just going well, to. I mean, it's, 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 it's bush league. I mean, I, I don't, you know, and I hope the Phillies are listening when I say this. It's bush league. Like you have one of your most important players. And you announce it's not like they it's not like somebody broke this. It's right. not like this was a this was a story that a reporter broke and they had it by themselves and whatever and they get that they get that exclusive interview. Okay, fine, that's great, good work by that reporter. But the Phillies announced that Zach Wheeler was going on the IL with um, and, and they put it out to all of us on Twitter. And, and it, what people don't know is there is a Twitter account that's for the Phillies PR for the Phillies from the Phillies PR team. It's for, their, it's for the media, um, and you have to be accepted to follow it, which we, we are accepted to follow it, right? Um, and so we get a tweet that says, Zach Wheeler, IR, uh, 15 days, okay? And we, this, is, this is the same Twitter account that tells us when the coach is going to be available, when the locker room is going to be open, like all those things, okay? So it's the same. So this is an announcement to the media. Yes. Have you ever okay, wondered great. why on Twitter, when you see the same reporters tweet the same things like uh, machine gun, that's, that's yes, why. That's the reason why. Okay. Yeah. So that, so they tell us, so you've now made this announcement to the entirety of the media that this injury has happened. You don't say why, but you just put it out. Okay. So we're all sitting there and we're working at our computers. I got my headphones on my head down. I'm typing away. I got to get this out there. I got to get this out there. I look up. Now, the press box is split, for those who don't know. I mean, obviously you know, Bob. But for those that don't know, the press box is split. It's like a V, okay? So on the left side of the V is where all of the, the regular big-name guys, Jim Salisbury, Todd Zalecki, 
Matt Gelb when he's there. Again, not there again last night. Jamie Apodi should know that. Um, uh, so um, uh, those guys, that's where they all sit over there. Uh, the Inquirer, uh, whether it's um, Scott Lauber or, uh, or Alex Coffey, whoever's covering. It was Alex last night. Um, so that's where they sit. And then the, the rest of us, the other six, five, six of us who cover the team, we're on the other side of the V. Like, on the other, like you know, the, the forgotten side, you know? We're on the other side of the Berlin Wall over there, okay? Okay, and... Sounds a lot like sour grapes. I well, know. no, so, no, it's, it's fine. I don't mind the seat. I mean, I really, I like it. Actually, consider where we're at. We're more open. We're more spread out. Like, we could take up more room. I actually like it. I'm not complaining about it, but I'm just saying that's where we are. Just, hey, listen, Phillies PR, if you're listening to this, if you have to take a credential away, we know you're <laughs> But so no, I'm not complaining about my seat. What I'm saying is, though, is that when it's announced that when Dombrowski is now available, okay, why do they only tell the people on the one side of the of the press box, and not come over and tell those of us on the other side? Like you've made a public announcement. Don't you want everybody who you've now credentialed to be there, who spend hours in the ballpark, going down there three hours before game? Four hours before a game to talk to the, you know your manager and to be there and to write stories about your team and to communicate with oh our traffic is up what eighty percent now Bob right so you know we've almost doubled our traffic in, in a year on Crossing Broad um, I, I would venture to say that you know our traffic is pretty much on par with almost anybody else who's covering this team I mean we're probably still behind Comcast and still behind the uh, philly.com or whatever inquire.com but not by much right not by much I mean, we're pretty we're right there yeah. so that audience is there and you're not going to tell us i mean that's that to me is that you have to tell everybody that's all there is to it when you make a public announcement to the media you have to let us all know that the general manager is available and not just two or three little birdies who you want to feed the information to and let them put it out there that's not how it works it's not how it works all right, so yeah, if, they want, if, they, if they want to keep it that way, Bob, if they want to keep it that way, uh, then I'll start digging, right? I mean, that's what I do in hockey, right? If yeah. hockey doesn't want to tell me anything, I start digging. So you don't want to start, te- you don't want to tell us. <laughs> Fine. Let the record show. Let the Fine. record show that Anthony is coming for you, Philadelphia Phillies. I'm just saying. That's how it works. Well, so he this announcement's made and he is uh going to miss at least two starts according to dave dombrowski okay and so uh, i guess the first the first question is you know to what level of concern should there be the phillies over the years have had a knack of saying like no big deal and then things sort of turn into a big deal uh, exactly you know, which no that that is not necessarily unique to the phillies but they have definitely i think undersold uh, the significance of certain is- uh, you know injury issues one of the things that got said was that he could have made this start this weekend, but, you know, abundance of caution, more or less. Uh, we'll see, you know, but if he misses the remainder of, like, let's just say, worst case scenario, misses the remainder of the season, I think that that totally changes the math on maybe not so much the Phillies making the postseason. Like, they're in a position now where I think they could probably withstand missing six more Zach Wheeler starts. I mean, maybe. Uh, but certainly if you talk about a, a potential playoff series and looking at then, you know, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, and then take your pick of Noah Syndergaard, Kyle Gibson, I I don't think that's going to bode too well for this team. So certainly getting him back at some point in September and getting him back at 
what he should be is going to be key to this team's ability to do anything come October should they get there. I agree. I agree. And, and that's that there is definitely, you know, you got to, like I said, I, I think I wrote it yesterday. You know, they were already holding their breath with Sir Anthony Dominguez coming back. Oh, he'll be back September 2nd. It was just precautionary, you know, you know with, his, with his issue. Well, you're already holding your breath there. I mean, I mean how many, how, you know, how many rosaries are you saying now? You know, with Zach Wheeler. In, in, in can I can I just tell you gut again? And like, this is another freezing cold takes potential one here. I'm more concerned about Sir Anthony Dominguez than I am about Zach Wheeler. Um, that's just a, a gut feel. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, the, you know, you're more concerned because he was he was the solidifying force in that bullpen. Yeah. That made the Phillies make this run. I mean, that bullpen, Reds team does not hit very well, and you know, I guess even predating back to the New York series, that bullpen, which has been so good since Rob Thompson took over, has been suspect, you know, for about for about ten days now. I mean it's yeah. been it's been rough. Yeah, I mean I can kind of you know, I understand Robertson, you know, after throwing thirty six pitches comes out the next day and he he gives up the 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 home run. All right, fine. I mean look, I mean you put a lot of, you put a lot on the guy. I get it, and that happens. Brogdon was the disappointment to me. I mean, he was the disappointment against the Mets. He was the disappointment against the Reds. He's the one that, that I'm like, all right, dude, you got to be better. I expect yeah. more out of Connor Brogdon. I, I'm a big Connor Brogdon guy, have been for a while. Um, I expect more out of him, and he hasn't, in the last couple couple times out, hasn't provided it. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, those guys need to, you know, be better because if if Dominguez is not Dominguez when he comes back, it's a that's a whole different whole different world out there innings six seven eight nine <laughs> like it really it really is and you're gonna, you would need guys like Nola and Wheeler and Suarez to give you seven almost every game yeah um, if not more um, so so yeah there's 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 some concern to be had but if the Phillies are not blowing smoke and these are just precautionary and these guys can come back and, and pitch and pitch effectively and, and to their ability, then great. Then everything's, everything's in, you know, looking rosy. Um, but if not, by all, you're yeah, right, 100%. It changes the complete dynamic of this team and its arc for this season. Yeah, a- absolutely. So on a more positive injury front, certainly you're going to get the return of Bryce Harper. And I guess I'm trying to think of a, a few things. And it's funny, I think I've said this before, but everyone talks about like, yeah, here comes Bryce Harper. And the first thing everybody wants to talk about is like lineup construction. You know, for a baseball guy, for a guy that coaches baseball at a high school level, there's no conversation that bores me more than lineup construction. Like, <laughs> people always talk, like, it's a thing that people are fascinated by. Writers love to talk about it. Radio people love to talk about it. And I get why it's important. Certainly, I understand just, you know, listen, the way that you stack them up, the way that you're attacking opponents. Uh, I get it. I just don't care. <laughs> you know, like, so everyone's like, well, how's the lineup going to look? I do think that there are uh, two different things to talk about here, though. And one is that Bryce Harper is going to hit third. He wants to hit third. We know he's going to hit third. But so, like, we've talked in the past about Kyle Schwarber. You know, listen, the, the whole idea with Schwarber, like, yeah, he has the power. And I've always said, like, I don't really care if, he, if he's going to hit leadoff. That's fine. It doesn't really matter. And now that you're having more power injected back into the middle of your order... Um, you can you can probably live with Kyle Schwarber at the top, but the, the thing for me is he's not getting on base enough. 
You know, mm -hmm. the idea is that he's supposed to be a guy that will draw walks and then hit for power, but he's not really, he's just not getting on base enough, and he's, he's been a little bit cold right now, that, that bomb last night, you know, notwithstanding, so... I just, I, I do think that maybe this team needs to shuffle this thing around a little bit. And I do wonder what they do with Bryson Stott, uh, who's been so good now for, for the last 30 games or so, especially. And Alec Bohm, who's been really good dating back to the start of July. And I know he went through a little bit of a cold spell here in August for a while. But still, you look at the overall picture, and he's been one of your better hitters for a pretty prolonged stretch at this point. So, you know, I know you're a little bit more of a lineup guy. Do you have, like, a, a lineup take with Bryce Harper coming back here? Well, well, yeah, I mean, I, ultimately, I think Bryce Harper is your best leadoff hitter, in all honesty. I mean, if with this lineup, they don't have a true leadoff guy. Um, so I would run it if, if that's the case. If you don't have a true leadoff guy, I want my best player batting more than everybody else. Right. So, to me, I would bat Harper. But, but if Harper's, you know, he wants to hit third – it's his. He's the LeBron James of the Phillies, and that's what he, he's going to hit. Okay, fine. Then Bryce Harper's going to hit third. Then you have to work around that. Okay. So how do you work around it? Um, I think Schwarber was fine for a while, and I was okay with it. But like you said, he's just not getting on base. Um, plus, if he's if his if his production value for you right now is home run or bust, why do you want him leading off? He's got 22 solo home runs this year out of 35. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Right. Um, and I think that uh, <laughs> I, I wrote. I, I put in a tweet yesterday. I forget where it was, but um, he's only had one home run of more than that's not a solo home run since June thirtieth, I believe. I think yeah, June thirtieth was his last uh, at home. Anyway, his last home run at home with runners on base, and he's had one since on the road. It was in Pittsburgh, I believe. Um, he had a three-run homer in Pittsburgh uh, in July. So one home run in two months with, with guys on base, it, it, why are you leading him off? It doesn't make any sense if that's all he does. So to me, I would move Schwarber down the lineup. And I understand you want to space the lefties. And to me, the strategy is this. If a pitcher has to come in and face three batters, and your team has lefties in the bullpen. Force them to face two right-handers when you bring in bring them in to face to come face Harper or Schwarber. So put two righties in front of Harper, put two righties behind Harper, and put Schwarber at the at the spot beyond that. So now you've you've really you're really playing with the manager of the other team. So, all right, you want to bring in a lefty to face Harper? Great. That guy, same guy's got to come in and face Real Muto and Castellanos too. Yeah. Or if you want to do it beforehand, he's got to face Hoskins and Bohm. Like, that's what I would do. I would, put, I would consider Hoskins and Bohm at the top in one way or the other. One, two, one, two. I, I, you know, I could, I could play with that either way. I could also put Real Muto, the way he's hitting, I could put Real Muto at the top and maybe put Hoskins in the four spot. But either way, I would put two righties above, two righties below Harper, then Schwarber in the sixth spot. Okay, and then the, don't bother the, the bottom of the lineup's been great. Let the bottom of the lineup be the bottom of the lineup. You know, let's Segura Stott, you know, turn that lineup over down there, and whoever's playing center field, let them turn that lineup over. The the reason why I I, I could make an argument for Stott hitting leadoff, but I think where you kind of get jammed up is when you get to the back end of the lineup. You would be very right-handed heavy. 
if you don't use stat six, or, you know, seven or eight even. Like, I right. think, like, ideally when you think about what Bryson Stott is right now, you kind of just say, damn, he'd be a really good seven hitter, you know? Uh, and I think anything above that, you go like, yeah, could he handle leadoff? Probably, but if you do that, then this is the way I see it. You might go Stott, and then, like you said, your pick of Bohm or Hoskins, two. So these guys would be interchangeable. Harper, three. You know, JT Real Muto, I would tell you, like, in a good team, is not a cleanup hitter. But I would also tell you that since Bryce Harper's been hurt, you know, which is a span of, for him, 41 games played, he's hitting 329 with a 999 OPS. He's not only been one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, he's been one of the best hitters in baseball, period, now, for a two-month stretch. So if you went Real Muto 4, Schwarber 5, and then, you know, Castellanos, Boehm, or Hoskins, like whatever other guy that you're not using in that two spot, but then you run into, you know, you're backing up Hoskins with Castellanos and then Segura and then Marsh when he comes back. And, like, I don't know that you want to go 6, 7, 8, righty, righty, righty. So I think you need Bryson Stott down in that lower tier of the lineup. So while I don't have the perfect lineup and I understand the multiple viewpoints of this, I just don't think you can hit Bryson Stott leadoff for that very reason because you're going to get caught too right-handed heavy in the second half of your lineup. And as you know, when you get into the postseason, those lefty-righty splits become even more important. Right, and that's why, that's why I said I want to force managers to make a decision Yeah. in the playoffs. I really do. You know, I... Force, force Buckshow Walter to sit there and go, all right, got to bring in a, a bullpen arm here. Harper's coming up, and I'm going to bring in that lefty. Because you can oh, picture that key seventh inning at bat. Like, this is yeah. what this looks like. It's yeah. that key seventh inning at bat in the playoffs, and you've got Bryson Stott coming up. You've cleared the heart of the Phillies order now, right? Yeah. But now you're like, all right, here comes Bryson Stott. You almost expect the way that he's gone here now and, and how good he's been late in games to get a righty against Stott, you can almost say, like, I expect him to win that matchup, whereas you get a lefty against Stott, and you go, ah, that's a tough ask. And and that's really what you're talking about in practice when you're trying to go through this construction. Yeah, man. So that's why that's why I would split I would spread the lefties out in this lineup. I wouldn't go every other. There's not they don't really have an every other option. Because right. it's really only Schwarber uh, Harper and and Stott, real. I mean Marsh, but I mean we're not the, the center. Whoever's playing center field is going to bat ninth no matter what. So you're really only talking to those three, those first three guys. How do you spread them out most effectively for your lineup? Because your your the rest of your lineup is right-handed, and that's why I said I would really I would put two guys between Harper and Schwarber. Harper and Schwarber. So I, I have a couple other things I want to touch on before if you have a one last thing. I, yeah. You know, with Bryce Harper coming back, I think one of the conversations was going to be if he just went down to Lehigh Valley and took his at-bats and he looked okay, I think we'd be saying, like, what Bryce Harper are we getting back right now? Now, I would not be totally stunned if Bryce Harper struggles a little bit when he gets back up here. Like, I, I guess I just wouldn't be surprised if it took him a week to kind of adjust and get going, but... I think that he answered a lot of concerns about his ability to drive the baseball, about his ability to hit for power. I mean, you know, not only does he yank one out to the pull side in his first at bat uh, back on Tuesday night, but then he also goes out opposite field. So I think that we see that the strength and the mobility is more or less there. Is he 100%? Probably not. But, like, should there be any concerns about Bryce Harper's ability to drive the baseball being limited? I, I don't think so. So... I think that that's good. So I don't know that we need to necessarily have the what Bryce Harper conversation, you know, like, are we getting? Um, but I, I do think that there's some added benefits, and I, I suppose that this is somewhat obvious, but I think that one player 
that that stands to benefit from his return, which is fun, funny to say because he's going to play less, is, is Matt Beerling. Um, you know, I think that Matt Beerling has, has contributed a lot of different ways to the Phillies. The numbers aren't overwhelmingly impressive. But I think one of the things that we've seen with Matt Beerling over the last month or so especially is that he's kind of gotten a little bit overexposed. Like, we've seen a little bit too much Matt Beerling. And I think if we can, if, if you see him get back into a spot where he's he's being utilized in a more proper manner, I think you're going to get a more effective player out of him. So I think yeah, that I that's, agree with that's, that's one benefit, one ancillary benefit to seeing Bryce Harper return here. It should make some of these guys that have been asked to pull more of the load be able to use, be utilized in more of a proper fashion. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you a lot there, Bob, on that. I, I, I do think that um, that Veerling will become, becomes better when he can be used in a specific role as opposed to being used as an everyday guy. Um, so, like, I, I definitely think that's a, that's a thing. Um, so, yes, I agree. I, I think that it, it, I think it helps every, it helps the entire lineup. I think the lineup, it helps the bench, it, it helps, it helps everywhere. It just really does. And, and that's, I'm excited to see it. I really am. I, I like, you know, yeah, you, he could start off slow, but I'm sitting here saying to myself, he could also start off, he could also come right back in and just be, be Bryce, right? And just be, just kind of take off. And, and, and the Phillies is really, and that's what I think that the Phillies are hoping for is that he comes in and just fires up this, this city and gets everybody pumped up for, for September baseball. I mean, right. and, and, I, you know, I think he could do that. He's that kind of guy, and he embraces that that role. I mean, you've talked about it, right, about him being liking that hero role, right? I mean, he, he embraces it. Um, so I, I, think it's, I think it's something that's, uh, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, and the other part of that, and certainly, like, Bryce Harper returning doesn't really solve the, the Phillies' center field dynamics because, you know, Bryce Harper's not playing center field. He's not playing right. any field. You're not moving Nick Cassianis to center. You're not moving Kyle Schwarber to center. But it just... When you're talking about those corner outfield spots where Matt Vierling has had to then play a little bit additionally in the corner outfield spots, that's where I think a lot of that overexposure comes. So getting Marsh back, which it looks like he's on track to potentially come back here in the next few days, should eliminate that where they get the right balance, they get the right mix with these outfielders. Like that outfield starts to look very much, uh, like much more deep when you get certainly when you get his offense back and when you get Marsh back from a defensive standpoint. So I do think that the overall point being that that Matt Veerling is probably going to benefit in September from getting all of these horses back and being utilized in more proper fashion. The other thing that I, I guess I've kind of uh, started to wonder about, you see Nick Maton, and again, this is kind of plays along the lines of overexposure. I think if you played Nick Maton six times a week, you'd start to say like, well, you know, this, this is not an everyday player that can be ultra productive. But I think it needs to be noted that in the amount that he's played, and it just feels like this even dating back to last season, Whenever Nick Maton's in the lineup, whenever Nick Maton has gotten a chance, he seems to make something good happen. Like, I yeah. don't know what his greatest attribute is as a baseball player, but, and I'm not telling you if he played five, six times a week, he'd hit 300 for this team. But man, what a useful part he's been. And I'd like to see him get an increased role in some capacity in September where, you know, you come into October and you go like, this is a guy I can feel good about in the right situation, in the right matchup. Uh, because man, what a, what a nice job and what a nice boost he's given this team. Yeah, he really has. He really has. And and uh, you know, we were looking for that left-handed bat off the bench, Bob, uh, for the playoffs. And and here we thought all along the way things were going that oh, it's going to be Derek Hall. I mean, look at how well he's hit. He's the, he got that power. 
you know, uh, and he still might be a guy that they call up to be off on the bench. Uh, in, in, you know, down the well, obviously he'll be here for September, but um, but he might still be a guy that they could turn to in the playoffs. But I do think Maton is probably ahead of him as far as the lefty off the bench. Yeah. Um, not because he's more dangerous to hit the home run, but because he could do so much more. He could play the infield. He could play the outfield. He could steal a base. He could get a he could get a hit, and he does have a little bit of that jerky home run power. A little, you know, every once in a while. Um, so I, I think that there's more value to what he brings to a bench than, than maybe what Derek Hall would bring. But it's look, these are good. These are good problems to these have. These are good problems to have. You have just two different situations here. You're like, if you're looking for the the, the boomer bust, you go Hall, and then you don't have to worry about uh, you know the the ensuing flexibility or inflexibility of going to someone like Hall when you go to May time. Like you right. could go out there and probably you know take a couple innings in left field he can play second base like you have a little bit more you don't have to be so worried about what are we doing defensively after this at bat when you go to him right Right. so yeah i mean good problems to have problems the phillies have certainly not had in previous seasons so yeah it really you know uh, it would be just to, to state the total obvious here this team is about to become much much better much more dangerous much more flexible and deeper with the the returns of, of Bryce Harper and Marsh here in the coming days. And it will be very, very wa- interesting to watch this team in September uh, as it kind of reloads, at least from an offensive and, and player position standpoint, even if Sir Anthony Dominguez and Zach Wheeler aren't here. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm running out of time a little bit here. So if you want to jump I, I got, one last thing. I got my one, I got my one last thing. Let's hit it. Here, I'm going to read a slash line to you. I want you to tell me who, who it is. Okay, I'm, gonna re- I'm serious. I think you'll be able to figure it out. 487, 524, 1103 with an OPS 1626, seven home runs, 14 RBIs in 13 games. This is a Philly. No. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not programmed Al- to think like this right now. Albert Pujols. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, is this is, is this like one of the most unbelievable, like things that you think you're? And you talk about de- again, we're talking about devil magic, right? We talk about the pixie dust. Here's a guy that was just like you know wallowing on the bench of the Cardinals, just kind of like let's bring him back for one last hurrah, and he's fueling not just part, not just being part of. He's fueling their their surge right now, and he's gotten himself to within seven home runs of 700. And so my question for you, Bob, is: Does he get it? Does he get? Does he have seven home runs in him over the last five weeks of the season, six weeks of the season? It sure feels that way. You know, I think that the Cardinals you get him increased opportunities. You try to do it. I know he's on the record as saying that he won't come back next season to try to do right. it. Um, it is so interesting, though. I mean, eight seventy nine OPS this season, huh? I mean, he think about not, that. He has not had an. Uh, an OPS over 800 since 2012. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you said earlier, talking about Edwin Diaz, you kind of go, man, what a year he's having. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, listen, crazy. Good for him. Great story. Uh, it's bizarre. Some like credit Kyle Schwarber letting him win in the opening round of the home run derby this year uh, to, yeah. to help kind of kickstart that run. 
I mean, I don't know what a crazy year he's had, though. But, I mean, for the guy to be slugging 529 after, here you go, in reverse order, his slugging percentages in previous seasons. <laughs> 460, 372, 433, 395, 434, 11, 386. I mean, man, you know, I, I don't know if he's just playing looser knowing that this is the end, or more loosely, I should say, knowing this is the end. I have no idea. Maybe he's made some type of adjustment to compensate for something, but Jesus, like, what a what an unbelievable and out-of-nowhere surge for him. And that whole yeah. Cardinals team, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, man, because, uh, I, I mean, look, I'd love to see Albert get the 700 just so we have a, a second 700 home run guy who we think who did we it think cleanly. Is legit. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to catch anything for this, but, like, you know, you're a baseball guy. Uh, you know, I, I consider myself to be a baseball guy by nature and, and all of that. I have a weird, uh, a weird one for you. Um, I don't care about Albert Pujols. And I never watched Albert Pujols play and say, like, wow, I got to watch this. Mm-hmm. I, I know that that's ridiculous. And I know that he is, if not the one of the best hitters, maybe the, the, the top three best hitters of the last generation, the last certainly since the turn of the century. Right. I just, I don't watch Albert Pujols play and get excited the way I have by other players. Yeah, and, and you know why that is, though, Bob? Because he's a first baseman. Like, well, no, it's because he's it's because he's been kind of nothing for a while for, for so long. Like I just pointed to the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but if you go if you go back, like if you know. you know, ask yeah. ask yourself twelve years ago. How cool it was to watch Albert Pujols yeah. play, right? Come in, you, 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 every time he came in, you're like, dude's going to hit a home run. And he, did, and he did. You'd be like, son of a bitch, guy did it again. You know, when he was having, you know, what, three MVPs in five years, and I think he had, came in second four times in the MVP voting. Like, I mean, dude was on fire in St. Louis. So when he went to L.A., he was out of sight, out of mind, and he kind of became a shell of himself. Oh, is he really older than he is? Like, all those stories came out. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, kind of... and, and to, to be fair here, like, you're right on. I mean, his first 10 years in the major leagues, his lowest OPS in any single season was 955. In <laughs> eight of those 10 seasons, his OPS was over 1,000. And in that yeah. other season where he didn't hit it, it was 997. Yeah. So for 10 years, you're talking about one of the most unbelievable offensive players in in the sport and in the history of the sport and right. i'm aware of all that like, yeah but that's what I, i'm saying that, that's what i'm saying but i think that that's why yeah. you kind of say you don't care about just him. kind of yeah yeah, yeah. it's taken him away you know it's like it's almost like you, this guy was great and he hung on for well far too yeah. long and it's not and it like the, it's not it. like that his later years have been like he's been a useful player it's not like he's been here for charity over the last 10 years i mean he's still right. been a, a, a fairly productive player. I mean, he did bottom out a little bit down there with the Angels. I mean, things got a little bit ugly at the end there. But, I mean, he's he's still been okay. Well, um, but yeah. I mean, if you, if you, yeah, I mean, if you go 2013 to 2021, 252, 306, 438, 744 OPS. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still a good player. I mean, it's it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's not. It's nothing OPS plus 103. I mean, right. it's just... Well, I, I guess right? my point is he's not a guy that was simply on a team because of his name. I mean, like... True. You know True. what I mean? Like, yeah, there yeah. was enough there to, to roster the guy. And now, certainly, yeah. the way he's finishing here has been has been awesome. And I'm, I'm rooting for him in the extent that... Or to the extent that I'd like to see him hit 700 home runs. And, 
you know, hey, like, great. Uh, I don't need to see him make a ma- – I, I don't care about his success in the playoffs. And certainly no. if it came no. up against the Phillies, I'll admit to you, like, I would yeah. I would certainly be pulling for the Phillies if that's not obvious. He's already won. Well, he won his championships. It's all right. It's, yeah. it's good. But, but a, a good good finish, a good final chapter for Albert Pujols, no less. For so sure. Phillies have uh, the return of Bryce Harper on tap here this weekend against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, we are back on a more normal basis moving forward here, so I would expect that you and I will both talk on Monday after this series. Phillies will head out west, Arizona, San Francisco, uh, and we shall see what happens here. But the Phillies are in great position as we record here and wrap up today. And so if you don't have anything else, just give me a nod here as I uh, hit the finish button. Yeah, thumbs up. All right, very good. So thanks for listening to Crossed Up. For Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel, and we will talk to everybody soon.